Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is almost spring, mid-March 2014. Children are the keepers of the planet, and as such, they hold the golden ticket to creating a planet of unity, love, joy, harmony, and peace. It is up to the adult generation to create a supportive environment that nurtures the divine talents of these amazing little souls that are being placed by the heavens upon us at this time in our script of humanity. What a blessing upon us. Evolution Revolution has focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Please explore more about myself, Evolution Revolution, Voices of Change, past guests and archives, media articles, services, and much, much more at www.dulcineacontreras.wordpress.com and in iTunes by searching in the podcast section, Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea, Voices of Change with Dulcinea, or simply the keywords Dulcinea Contreras. Thank you for joining the show this, this afternoon, wherever you may be listening. Today on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Michael Tamura, a celebrated spiritual teacher, clairvoyant visionary, and award-winning author of You Are the Answer. He lives the miracle. Spiritually aware from childhood, he sees everyone the way they are, as immortal souls. To guide thousands to their healing, awakening, and true life purpose, he draws from years of intensive training, profound past life recall, nightly out-of-body sojourn, four decades of teaching and giving clairvoyant counseling, and a lifetime of extraordinary experiences, including having physically died three times in full consciousness. Born and raised in Japan, yet educated in American schools, Michael has spent a lifetime bridging gaps, not only between East and West, but between men and women, the young and the old, heart and soul, life and the afterlife, and above all, between humanity and divinity. He is beloved around the world as a spiritual teacher, clairvoyant visionary, and pioneer of healing and psychic development. He has been featured on CNN, NBC's The Lisa Show, The New Ricky Lake Show, Bridging Heaven and Earth, Guy MTV, The Aware Show, Hay House Radio, and many other media programs. He was also included in ABC News' The Century, America's Time with Peter Jennings. Currently in production is a documentary film featuring Michael and his three profound death experiences. A champion for soul-centered education, healing, and parenting of children, Michael appeared as a guest expert in the film The Indigo Evolution. As a pioneer in the field of spiritual healing and psychic development, his insightful articles have been published in magazines internationally. He also wrote the final chapter, Nourishing the Soul of the Psychic Child, in James Twyman's book, Messages from Thomas, Raising Psychic Children as well as the first chapter in Susan Suntree's anthology, The Wisdom of the East. Other pioneers in education and healing of children, as well as those forging the path for the soul awareness and psychic development, often seek out Michael's insights and wisdom. 
Today, the three-award-winning author of You Are the Answer is working on his latest book, Three Times Dead and What It Taught Me, a journey into the heart of wisdom. As he continues to provide psychic tools and spiritual practices to illuminate the way home for awakening souls. His teachings are offered through his acclaimed seminars, teleclass courses, writing, media appearances, special events, and audio products. For Michael, every step in life offers a golden opportunity for healing miracles and the fulfillment of one's divine purpose. Welcome back to Evolution Revolution, Michael. It's great to have you back. It's great to be back on this beautiful spring day. <laughs> Wonderful. I know we're so fortunate here in California to have this nice weather. Yeah. The only so thing we the... have shortage is the water. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> we do have our, our give and take over here. Exactly. But we're so fortunate. In this new millennium, several predictions and prophecies were made, but the most profound foresight that you saw was the kinds of souls that would be incarnating early on in this millennium. How were these souls distinguished in your visions, and how can they benefit humanity now? Yes, uh, when when the um, uh, Wired Services reporters called and asked me about predictions for the coming millennium in December of 1999, one of the first things that I thought of was that Old Testament quote, uh, and a child shall lead them. And uh, I told them, each of the reporters, that they weren't going to particularly enjoy uh, hearing what I had to say about the predictions because I could see they wanted, you know, the usual scandals and political upheavals and, and disasters and all of that. But what I saw as as um, setting the tone, and and the uh, I, I really like your um, uh, title of the Voices of Change uh, for one of your programs, because these souls are coming in and they're kind of the uh, major voices of change for which way the world is headed, and I saw them as coming in in a sense, four different groupings or categories of what they're gonna, how they're going to manifest themselves uh, uh, in their incarnation. And many of these have already incarnated uh, so far, but there's a lot more to come. And uh, I, I work with these souls before they're born. Uh, some of them uh, regularly come to my seminars. <laughs> I, I, I tell people who are physically present in the seminars in, in person uh, that in the back section of the, the room, seminar room, uh, is I have a, always the balcony lodge section. <laughs> and, <laughs> and there's a whole gallery, sometimes even more than the people who are physically present, uh, numbers of souls who, who regularly attend my seminars. Uh, in spirit, and uh, uh, many of these souls who who do that are uh, the souls that are preparing to incarnate to be born uh, to some lucky parents. <laughs> the first group uh, and and they 've been coming in very strong. You can see them on TV and, and YouTube especially and everything because they 're more traditional they're, they're uh, types of prodigies in whether in math or art science and technology 
music uh, and things like that, where the world's a little bit more prepared for prodigies because we've always had, over the course of history, we've had you know prodigies uh, throughout. And so people are used to that. Society is used to, okay, this is an exceptional child. You know, she, he is, is incredible in, in their uh, mental capabilities or uh, physical capabilities or something. And they respect them generally, uh, although sometimes these kids too get uh, ridiculed in school and whatnot because they're so different than everybody else. Um, so that's the first type of uh, way that these, souls coming in to bring about a lot of change in this world uh, are manifesting them their lives. The second group, um, they're not really a group, but I kind of categorize it because of the way they, they manifest themselves, are a little bit different um, in that uh, they don't really catch the public eye as, as often because uh, these are the souls who are tremendously capable, aware uh, souls that are here to teach through uh, taking on what society would traditionally label as defects or terminal illnesses or chronic conditions or disabilities or something like that, where, where society still sees these physical and other conditions of a human being uh, as negative. And, and a problem and so forth and so on that has to be that have to be fixed and and these souls are coming in purposefully with such illnesses right sometimes right from birth or congenital disabilities or uh, whatever and and uh, as they grow up even in early childhood they're going to be uh, behaving in in and communicating in a way different way than than somebody who's a victim to a, a bad thing, a victim to a negative situation. No, instead, they're going to be laughing, they're going to be happy, and they're going to be teaching first and foremost, of course, their immediate you know, parents and family, as well as uh, doctors and nurses and ministers and whomever else uh, cares for them, because they're going to require care if they have illnesses and physical uh, challenges. And and they're going to be teaching their caretakers from the way they live that, you know, this is not really a problem. I chose this. And, and I want to demonstrate to you that, that living is not all about the body. And it's, it's the beginnings of, of them really showing through experience and actual uh, how they live and how they think and how they view life and everything else, they're going to blow away a, a lot of the, the their immediate communities and and change from the grassroots level the way people look at life and, and start to fr everything from plant seeds in the minds of others, the adults around them, that you know life is so much more than whether I have all my limbs or whether all my physical body is functioning correctly or whatever. And and they're going to also accept all the help from their community uh, very easily. They're, they're going to say, oh, yes, I need help. I, I need to get around. I, I can't walk by myself or I can't get out of bed or I can't do this, that, or the other thing. So I definitely need your help. 
And so they're not going to be isolating themselves and turning away help from, from the people who love them and care about them, but they're going to be educating everybody around them. Some of these uh, souls will, will continue to stay incarnated in their conditions, uh, whereas others of them were, are going to, to um, uh, change people's visions because they're going to heal themselves of, of uh, so-called terminal conditions and terminal illnesses. And um, uh, people might call that miracle and so forth and so on. But there's going to be two kinds. Some of the souls are not, no matter what anybody throws at them, they're not going to get well. They're they're not going to get fixed. They're not going to be perfect uh, physically or otherwise. But they're fine with that. It's They said, you know, they're going to be aware that this is what I'm here to show you. I'm not this body, and I'm not going to be limited just because my body is limited in some way. And um, so that's going to be a major uh, teaching process for the rest of the world. And and then the others who miraculously heal themselves of uh, very, you know, uh, terminal, what, what's always been considered terminal type of conditions, or, or even heal themselves from physical defects, well, that's going to bring a whole other kind of awareness in the adult community and, and scientists and parents and doctors and everybody else uh, who are supposed to be the experts in these kinds of things, but they're going to go, oh, we have something to learn here. There's more to it than meets the eyes. The third group of souls that are uh, already also manifesting um, are those who show up as children in what would be generally considered adult occupations early on in their lives. Uh, As children and and teens and young adults, they're going to start everything from viable businesses, uh, involve themselves in politics, community service, teaching, activism, and so forth, which were generally meant you know, we, we think of all those things as adult occupations. Yet these kids are going to start to talk about it and start to involve themselves maybe even on a, you know, kid level for, for the early stages. But uh, it's not going to be one of those, oh, aren't they cute doing their little kid things and trying to be adult or they're a little precocious. No, no, it's far more than that they're going to succeed in what they do. I've already met some of these uh, kinds of kids who are um, started right from 14, 15, 16 years old, and, and they're running you know, multi-million dollar businesses that they've started with the help of their parents and stuff. And uh, uh, it was all their ideas, their creations, and, and these sometimes start, I just a couple months ago I met this, a young woman, bright, uh, 17-year-old girl, uh, who, when she was 14, uh, told her parents, who were, you know, um, upper middle class, uh, they weren't super wealthy or anything, uh, she told her parents, um, uh, well, when I turn 16, I I want a car, my own car. (laughs) And, of course, a lot of teens probably have said that. But these parents were very good. They, They... turned to her and says, okay. They didn't invalidate her or they didn't say no or restrict her in any way. They said, okay, that's fine. 
but you're going to have to come up with a creative way to make the money to pay for this car because we're not going to pay for it. <laughs> and so and then she didn't, you know, revolt or anything like that. She just said she just said, "Uh, that's fine. Uh I'll start a business." <laughs> At 14. Well, she's now 17. I met her at this uh, fundraising gala for a for our uh favorite uh, charity and she was leading even in this group of multi-billionaires and millionaires and you know, very successful business people, adults and much older crowd uh in the campaign to to give more money. And she stood up, she and her mother stood up and and said well, we're uh, we're ready to donate, and, and this is after they've already donated, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars from their business to this charity. They said we're willing to donate another hundred and ten thousand dollars if somebody would match us. And and it took about ten minutes for two wow. two other uh, very you know wealthy people to say each of them they couldn't come up individually with a hundred and ten thousand. They just said. I'll go for 55000 if somebody else will pitch in 55000 And between two people, they got the 110000 and this girl and her mom uh, donated the 110000 So the charity made 220000 in 15 minutes because of her. And uh, uh, she started this uh, uh, business that... In, in 14, at 14, when she started to design it, and it's it's a jewelry, it's a very very uh, 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 great jewelry design, which is different for every person. It's it's tailor made. The, the person buying it can decide what to go into this piece that's close to their heart. And then when it's a pendant, that see through pendant, and and when you wear it, it's it sits right above your heart, and it's filled with the icons, you know, jewelry or or little, um, what would you call it, uh, charms, that miniature charms that were you can see that cl- represents what's close to that closest to that person's heart. And this just took off in in three years. It's become a multi million dollar business. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and she's hiring all these people to to do all the various parts at seventeen. Yeah. And so, so that's already going on. I personally have experienced several very young people who are doing that, and there's going to be a lot more. And then uh, the third group, uh, the fourth group, uh, this is the one that's the probably going to be the most challenging group for our society to be able to uh, handle uh, and, and um, be able to allow because these are the souls that are coming in with with what society, traditional society, would consider super psychic abilities, and and of course, uh, the we have the militaries and governments of various countries already working very hard and putting a lot of money into trying to control these kinds of uh, young kids because if they can get control of them while they're growing up, well, they feel they're going to not only be in the front of the uh, psychic warfare uh, department in the world, but they know that if they don't control these kids now, they're not going to be able to control them when they grow up and they become a threat to whatever controls they're trying to enforce on everybody else in, in their countries and around the world. 
So unfortunately, it's the militaries and the governments of various countries that are vying to to find them and 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 you know get to them before uh, they become really uh, independently capable. And so, and then of course, on the flip side, these are some of the souls that are going to be shunned by the public at large because most people would be scared of them. And when I talk about these psychic, very psychic kids, I'm not talking about just kids that can read your aura or or intuit some answers to test questions or uh, uh, give you a little bit of a healing or something like that. No, these are going to be some who will literally walk through solid walls. Uh, others will materialize objects seemingly out of nowhere. And and uh, uh, this sounds like it might be coming right out of science fiction or some fantasy uh, story, but it's not because they're already here. In fact, it's an amazing thing that more people don't know about it. Um, uh, first, you know, the, the prodigies and stuff you everybody knows about, or at least it becomes public pretty quickly because all they have to have is somebody take a YouTube, put it on YouTube, what they're doing, and everybody goes, wow, these are incredible prodigies. Playing instruments as young as two to three years old and, and by nine-year-olds, you know, singing like opera stars and playing piano, guitar, and violin and other instruments like symphony musicians. And and uh, so so society's already kind of being able to manage that and going, whoa, these these are amazing. And, you know, some hundreds, several hundred years ago, it's you hear about one Mozart doing that. Now they're just coming in droves. And uh, uh, so so that's, that's already changing a lot of way people look at kids uh, but they're still not quite prepared on how do you how do you handle raising such children, and because just because they happen to be prodigies in music or or in math, you, you can't just squeeze them to to just produce uh, only on that level. They're human beings. They have to have all the rest of the formula, so to speak, to be here and be able to fulfill the purpose for the, the them being here, and. Oftentimes, for these prodigies, the purpose they are here to fulfill is not just creating the most beautiful music in the world or anything like that, or to be the finest guitar player. No, that's just their tool. That's just the instrument through which they're going to fulfill what they're really here for, and each one of them will have a true soul purpose for being here. Right, which is different than what looks like in the world. And and most all of them are here to educate, to to open people up to a new level of awareness. And then the extraordinary children living with so-called congenital conditions and disabilities that are blowing people's minds, once in a while you'll hear about them. I've had the you know blessing of being able to work with some of them and their families uh, over the years. And uh, it's usually within the local neighborhood, within the local family and, and, and the particular doctors and particular ministers, particular people who've worked with those children uh, have been changed and, and they're in a whole different place. But 
the commu- the whole society at large don't necessarily get to see what's going on because these are very personal and sensitive things that families are going through, and they're not going to just go on TV or post the, you know post their children's uh, conditions on YouTube uh, just because. And and so that's going on much more quietly. It's an inner kind of a revolution that's going on. And I've uh, I've told you about the the ones who are starting very successful businesses, involved in you know activism and so forth and so on. But this fourth category of souls that are here to really demonstrate that its psychic abilities is not just some kind of a woo-woo thing and it's not just a gift that's limited to particular specialized individuals. It's, it's something that's intrinsic to humanity, intrinsic to every single human being. But they're going to take it to such a place where people can't deny it. You know, now, uh, okay, here's this person who could read other people's auras. And, and the people that this person reads uh, says, oh, he or she is so accurate and, and knows so much about me. But but there's always skeptics who can say, oh, well, we can, we can uh, you know, Google search you <laughs> and know the same information or, or uh-huh, get, to, uh-huh. get to some kind of a, you know, uh, uh, non-public documentation and, and if we can access uh, what the NSA has on you, <laughs> we can say the same things, whatever. And they can discount those things. But, but when these, these kinds of souls start to come out, it's going to be very hard for people to be able to discount things. And, and, of course, you know, science, scientists and people like that are going to want to study them, military ones to take over them, and so forth and so on. Well, just to give you a little tidbit that's been out in the public for a few years, by 1990, you know, that's what, 24 years ago, the Chinese government by that point had already documented, you know, very closely documented, a hundred over a hundred thousand cases of children in China alone who consistently could demonstrate extraordinary psychic abilities on demand. So these are not your oh this person you know guessed something correctly once or twice. No, they do it on demand, and it's not just these guessing things or or predicting one or two things that's going to happen in the future. No, these are these are kids who literally they they. Uh, one girl uh, uh, can put some seeds, you know, plant seeds on in her palm, and she closes her eyes and and says, "Grow," and it starts to grow right before your eyes. The uh, the seeds start to sprout. And that manifestation. Exactly, and and not only that, but she can take a a group of thousand uh, adults in the audience, pass out the seeds, and have them put it on their palms, and she sets the energy and she says okay now everyone say grow and all the seeds in everybody's palms start to grow and and, i mean that's that's kind of like a parlor trick but this is the level of you know governments trying to find out is this for real you know is this a is this a gimmick or whatever so they do all these kinds of tests and unfortunately they they feel they have to but uh, so these are 100,000 cases, over 100,000 cases that the Chinese government has already documented as consistent, reliable information 
on what these kids can do. And they even have a couple of them who literally walk through physical walls. And, wow. uh, <laughs> and And they have a lot of them who could be completely blindfolded in, a, in the dark with lead blindfolds and everything. There's no way they could use their physical eyes to look. And they can perfectly read books uh, out loud to you, word for word, and somebody else is, you know, actually looking at the book and says, hey, they read every single word in, in that book type of a thing. Um, and uh, they have people, you know, who could who could uh, give you directions on where to turn and where to go uh, uh, with blindfolds on. And so all kinds of things like that uh, they've already uh, researched. And, of course, China's not alone. Uh, they happen to be one government that, on a, on a governmental level, they not only did all this research and tested these kids, but, but uh, some of that information got out uh, in the uh, 1980s. <laughs> and since 1990, I haven't seen or heard anything about it. <laughs> it's interesting. Oh, it's wow. just been squashed. But they, they've been doing studies in Bulgaria and Mexico, Russia, uh, and, of course, the U.S. has them too. And so... Uh, so these things are already going on, but not even with 100,000 documented cases, it's not even close to what it's going to be. And these are the ones that's coming in, and even if they are kept in the dark or kept away from the public eye, just the fact that these souls are incarnating and preserving their abilities to, to uh, live much more as limitless souls rather than what we consider to be, you know, the the height of of uh, whatever fitness and height of capabilities and intelligence and so forth and so on, it's going to put all of that to shame. <laughs> People are going to be able to laugh at, God, just think. We used to think that being able to run this fast or or jump this high was was uh, incredible, and that's all physical accomplishment. These souls are going to teach the world that, no, it's not. If you can get over having to be a physical body, you can do anything. There's no limits in spirit. So the change has already started, and, and uh, we're the real change. All, all this, again, I'm sure the, the more it starts to come out into the public, it's going to be sensationalized which is unfortunate because that's not the purpose for these souls to be uh, sensationalized okay, and become the star of the show type of a thing. No, and this is why it's got to be in numbers because just like you know, if a prodigy comes in, you know, there's one Mozart in a huge uh, population base, then that person is going to become a media star and and the focus of all this attention and, and adoration and everything, and it becomes completely off course from what that soul is here to do. And, and, but when you have 100,000 uh, prodigies <laughs> all at once, then it's like, oh, it can't, each one is not that, quote, special. You know, they're extraordinary compared to how the rest of us are, but... It's not about being special. It's about teaching and opening up and awakening people up to, to what are you here for? Who are you, really? 
do you think you're this body that was born when you were born and you're going to die when the physical body stops breathing and the heart stops beating? Or are you something so much greater than that? So even just the seed of awakening uh, for the masses that these uh, kids can start to put even like doubt in the certainty of people that know this is what it's about and this is how it is and this is what uh, the Bible says and this is what the experts say and this is what it is. It's so completely not true. And they're going to start to bust up all those kinds of games and, and show everyone what is really going on. So, so we then, have such yes. a diverse, excuse me, one quick question here. So, we, so in sum, we have these four powerful soul groups that have entered into humanity. And I'd say that probably over, as evolution works, it's happened over a few decades. But I know the 70s was a huge energetic gateway for humanity. And then again in 2000, so they slowly trickled in. So we have these four groups. Now we take these four groups, and how do we as a normative society begin to support these children and guide them and lead them, whether they're a prodigy or a resilient human or, you know, able to um, begin their adult occupations much younger yes. or, or whether they're the psychic abilities. What is our role to allow them to foster these gifts so that they can flourish? Yes, and, and part of the purpose of these four groups of souls that I uh, spoke specifically about is not to be categorized and labeled as separate, but to show us that, that exactly what you're asking, how do adults, the parents, the teachers, the, the ministers, the doctors, all the adults that uh, are part of the, uh, you know, as the saying goes, it takes a village to, to raise every child. And all the adults that are part of that community, well, that means all the adults, not just parents, not just pediatricians, not just, you know, people who are uh, specialized to work with children. No, it's all adults in society, all human beings. And it's not just these four categories of souls that are being children while they're growing up. No, all children. We have to address the nourishing and the raising of the soul of every child. And that's been missing. The closest thing I find uh, when there's any reference to teaching the soul of the child around is, is uh, religious, you know, religious uh, education uh, and, and trying to instill faith in the child or something like that, which is maybe a good start, but, but it's nothing compared to the true communication that we have to establish, not only with children, but with each other. If, if we can't, as, as adults, if we can't communicate spirit to spirit with each other, how do we hope to communicate spirit to spirit with a child who's even more aware than we are? So that's the foundation of not only all healing, but that's the foundation of what we need to really correctly nourish and educate our children. And because, as you mentioned right at the very introduction of your show today, that 
that the children are the future of of the planet and and uh, uh what does that really mean well a lot of people especially those in the more conscious uh uh part of society are getting fed up with you know uh traditional allopathic medicine when it comes to healing and um uh and they're saying hey it's not working it, it makes you sick this way to try to cure that and so forth and so on well so people want medicine the practice of medicine to change in our society and become much more healing based instead of you know treatment based but how are we going to change the practice of medicine well we have to change medical education how how doctors are educated in medical school but you can't wait till the student in medical school is 18 20 years old 24 years old whatever age they're in medical school to go all of a sudden say okay stop forget everything you've learned up to this point and we're going to teach you spirit to spirit communication <laughs> we're going to teach uh-huh. you the true nature of healing well it's not going to work only one in every you know 100,000 might magically uh, recognize and go oh i i can turn on a dime yes i've been waiting for this but generally no they're already programmed by all these years of education leading up to graduate school whether it's law school or medical school or astronomy school or anything so we have to where do we start to change education that's that's forming the minds and and the direction of our experts psychologists the medical doctors and professionals and and uh, leaders and so forth and so on well it's got to start at the beginning so where's the beginning of education well the earlier the better because the earlier you know it's like uh every musician knows that if you learn bad habits <laughs> when you first start to learn to play guitar or piano or something the longer you've been practicing with the bad habits, the harder it's going to be for you to learn how to play it correctly. And until you learn to play it correctly, you can't do a lot of the fancy stuff. And so the saying goes with any kind of education, the, the sooner we can start to educate and sooner we can start to uh, relate to children correctly as adults, as, a, as teachers, as parents, the sooner that we can start to really change the direction we're going in in society at large. And we're not going to have world peace. You know, all these people can chant uh, world peace, world peace now and everything. Well, some of that helps to change legislation, to change the way things happen in society, but it's, it's patchwork and it's like putting a Band-Aid on to a, a, a big injury. We've got to start with the whole way... The, each and every child is raised before we can have the kind of leadership and kind of agreement in society that's going to bring about a much more peaceful living in this world. And what is that change that we have to uh, bring about in how we relate to the children is when are they children to relate with? You know, here uh, religion and, and society and politics are arguing constantly about, well, when does the uh, human being start? You know, is it at conception? Is it at three months of prenatal? Or is it at birth? Or is it at, you know, after birth? Or when, when does life begin? 
Well, that why that argument's just going to go on and on and on forever is because they're asking the wrong question. They're looking at it the wrong way. They're looking at life beginning in relationship to a physical body. Is it a physical body when it's two cells coming together, two half cells coming together? Or is it a physical body when X number of cells start to form into a certain shape? Or is it a physical body when when the body seems to be breathing? That's just the body. It's not life. A body without life is a corpse. It doesn't move. It doesn't think. It doesn't do anything. And so, so in the moment, that spirit is no longer living, bringing life, breathing life into this body. When that spirit is gone from the body, that body is a corpse. It's, it's a nothing. Okay? But we have a society that's been worshipping this corpse for a long time, for millennia. And, and it, it's, a, it's a bad habit that it's going to take a little bit of doing to break. <laughs> and so, so then, when does life begin? Well, that's the wrong question because life doesn't end. And that which doesn't end has no beginning. It's called eternal. And of course, when I, if I were to say eternal life, that, a lot of people start to go religious. But what is eternal life? It's life without beginning, without end. It's forever. So the question, when does life begin, obviously comes from people who think life is about the body. And it's not. And the purpose for each and every one of us to be here in this world isn't about how do we keep this body alive as long as possible. No. And this is why some of these children are teaching. They, they die early. In my last lifetime, I died when I was seven years old in the atomic bomb that went off in Hiroshima. It was a blast. <laughs> oh, wow. And, wow. and I'm not supposed to laugh about that, right? Because that oh, was such okay. a horrific thing. <laughs> and people get hung up on how horrific something is. How can, how can any of us wish to have tremendous profound peace or joyousness in life when we're hung up on about all the horrific things. You've got to be aware of all the horrific things that human beings are capable of creating, but you can't get hung up on it. You have to go, go forward to what life really is about. Now, I'm sure all your listeners, many if not most of them, are going to Recognize when I say, okay, how many of you have felt sometime during your life, especially in your childhood, how many of you have felt like you don't belong here or you can't, you don't fit in? You don't fit in. I definitely did. I know you did. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so what does that mean? So few people get it what that experience of a soul experiences, because that's you, the being, you, the spirit, that's experiencing, I don't fit in here. You look around at other human beings, you look around, especially if you're a child, look at the adults and how they're behaving and what they're doing with their lives, and you go, whoa, what did I get myself into? (laughs) Oh, yes. 
And, and then, <laughs> if that's bad enough in, in a fairly decent family situation, well, it's worse when it's an abusive family or dysfunctional family, but then you get out into the world and, oh, my God, it's worse off. than the, 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 the world is more dysfunctional than my family. And so, so that feeling, that experience that many, many of us have experienced and, and lived with for a long time is, I don't fit in. Well, what's the first thing that usually, especially children and young people do when they don't fit in? They try to fit in. And guess what? How many people have tried to fit in and they, they didn't? They didn't succeed. They were the black sheep of the family. They were the black sheep of the community or whatever. They didn't fit in. It's not because they didn't try. They just didn't fit in. And then the other group that did fit in, they succeeded. They became part of the elite. They became part of the cool uh, crowd. And, and they became the, the you know, uh, little clique that, that bullies everybody else. And they fit in. Or did they? No, they didn't fit in either, but they're pretending they have enough people around them saying, oh, yes, let's agree that we're all, all doing great and we're all so happy. Let's get drunk and party and laugh and, and, and make it look like we're having a great time. But when they're alone, each and every one of them, they're sitting there staring at the booze or whatever or the TV and, and in depression and anger and, and sadness and isolation and all kinds of things. And they're trying to cover it up with, you know, a lot of brouhaha. So neither way works. So what is missing here? The awareness that how come I'm experiencing I don't fit in? Oh, very few people ask the question, maybe I'm not meant to fit in. Aha, uh-huh. all of a sudden you have a whole different perspective on life here in the incarnation in this world. I'm not meant to fit into this world. What's the first step of waking up in a dream? Have you ever, have you ever woken up in a dream where you're still sleeping, you're still dreaming, but you realize this is a dream? Have you had that experience? Almost definitely, yeah. almost weekly. Yeah, and, and that's a really cool experience, isn't it? You get instantly Hi. happy. So you realize that you're present. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're, you get instantly joyous when that happens. You're, you know you're free. And so maybe right before that happens, you are being chased by a, a, a serial murderer or something in your nightmare, and, and you're scared and you're running for your life and everything, and all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, this is a dream. And the minute you realize this is a dream, you go, oh, at that point you don't, you don't sit there and go, how do I fit into this? No, you realize, I don't fit in here. This is just a dream. I'm not a dream. This is a dream. And do I want to continue this nightmare? No. And so you go, this is just a dream. It's nothing. It's not real. And the minute you realize that within yourself and you're still sleeping and you're still dreaming, the dream changes or you realize you can stop and completely confront the, the monster or whatever and poke fun at it and whatever, because you know this is a dream. It can't kill you. It can't do anything to hurt you. It's just the dream. Or you just go, oh, this is silly. Pop, and the dream is gone. And 
you can you can be in a dreamless state or you could decide you want to create some fun dream you know and because you know you can fly you can walk through walls you can you can do anything you could imagine because the minute you imagine it it's happening it's just a dream it's all made up so the very first step when we wake up in a dream and realize it's a dream is when we have the question wait a minute what's wrong with this picture and you'll always find when you're in a dream and you ask the question wait a minute what's wrong with this picture you realize there was no beginning to this dream you can't you don't know what was happening before you know all of a sudden when you're dreaming all of a sudden you're you're eating dinner with a group of people but when you ask how did i get here you don't know because you just assume you you got here and and you're having dinner with your friends but when you question it, you realize you don't know how you got here with your friends and what happened before you were sitting here eating dinner with your friends. There's no history. <laughs> and then you go, what's wrong with this picture? And the minute you question that and you wake up from that picture, that dream, you go, oh, this is just a dream. It's not real. And the same goes when we feel like, I'm not fitting into this. Well, this, too, is like a big dream. And when you start to become aware, I don't fit in. Instead of getting unhappy that you don't fit in, instead of getting sad that you don't fit in, instead of feeling isolated and lonely that you don't fit in, you have to wake up and realize, oh, this is telling me something. I'm not supposed to fit in. Do I want to live in this kind of a world? No, I'm not supposed to fit in. Then... What is my purpose for being here if I'm not supposed to fit in? My purpose isn't to fit into the society. Yes, I have to get along with people here and everything as we and follow laws and things like that. Uh, but I don't, I don't have to fit in. Those are things that you just do to kind of get along with things. But you start to realize if I'm not here to fit in, what am I here to do? What am I here for? And you start to realize, I'm here to offer something new. I'm here to realize what this is really about. And that begins the person's very uh, profound journey of awakening. Well, in this awakening climate for humanity, we need to keep those who come in awake more awake <laughs> because anybody who starts to any adult who starts to awaken and the more they awaken and the more they start to look back at okay wait a minute how what were things like when i was growing up what was it like when i was born most people don't remember because they've been so covered over their awareness has become so covered over they they've forgotten everything and it's just like that dream where where they start off, uh, yeah, I, I graduated from college and I'm a business major or, or I'm an art major or I'm a scientist or whatever the case might be, and this is what I do. Okay, well, how was life for you when you first came in? What do you mean I first came in? Well, where were you before you were born? And often people say, well, in my mother's stomach. <laughs> 
uh-huh. know, in the I womb. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, oh, but yeah. That's, that's where the body was, but were you in it? I wasn't. I waited until this body was all, you know, baked and, and was coming out of the oven before I came in. Why would I want to hang out in the mother's womb? <laughs> it's it's too <laughs> and it's dark. <laughs> yeah, and, and then you know, hey, what if mom has gas? <laughs> or she's having a bad day, you know, or or she's oh exhausted, or whatever the case might be. And and uh, do I want to be living in the middle of that all the time for nine months? No way. So so, some of us wait until. The body's all ready, and okay, we're coming in now. And even then, I didn't come all the way in. And so, so, uh, uh, so few people remember that. So few people are aware of what it is to be a baby, what it is to be a child. What are the real challenges for the soul, not the body? The body, you know, if you have good parents and whatnot who take care of you physically well, and everything, and, and uh, teach you to be clean and hygienic and, and eat well and exercise and all that kind of stuff, well, you got a good body. You might even have a you know, well-educated mind. But unfortunately, sometimes the well-educated mind is just not good enough because it's education about academics and education about reading, writing, and math instead of true education for the soul on how do we manage as spiritual beings incarnating into this human body and mind, how do we manage this thing called the human mind? Once we're incarnated in it, people think they're incarnated in the body. And yes, that's sort of true too. But you can't be incarnate in a body without being incarnate in a mind structure. Ah. People think the mind is in the human brain, which is absolutely ridiculous. The human brain no way can contain the mind. The mind is so much bigger than the human body. It's the human body that's inside the mind. Okay? And this is why the very, very, very tip of the iceberg uh, medical scientists are starting to talk about and, and do research on mind-body medicine but they're still way light years away from what it's really about. And so they're still looking at the mind, okay, controls the body in some way or influences the body, but they don't realize the body is made up by the mind. It's inside the mind, if you will. So when we incarnate into the body, we have to incarnate into the mind and then the body, so to speak, and we get smaller and smaller if we believe that's what we are. So then, where do we come from? What was it like before we were conceived, before our body was even conceived? What was it like before birth? Well, it's going to be what it's like after death. <laughs> so this very tiny portion of so-called our life is just the few years that we are incarnated here. How can we possibly believe that we incarnate for a few years out of eternity, so to speak, to fit into this world. No. We're here to learn how to fully get out of this world. And 
why it's so difficult being here. Oh, it's no piece of cake being uh, a soul, uh, immortal soul in this finite, limited universe. It's not a cakewalk. It's challenging because everything here tells us, I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah, all the pain, all the suffering. And so that's designed so that we come to the realization, how do I get out of this place? And killing yourself is definitely not going to do it. <laughs> yes, that is, if you really want to get stuck here, uh, then kill yourself. Shortcut. But, yeah, you get really stuck here. But... But to free yourself, to be enlightened, to be awake and free, that's what we have to have in our awareness, even if we're not personally enlightened, even if we're not 100% uh, free as spirit, we're still, every one of us, if we're here, we're still learning. But some of us have, you know, it's just like going to school on that level. Some of us are in postgraduate school and some of us are in kindergarten. And Everybody's in some level of, of their education. But the education that we need for the future, and I'm saying for the future, we need it now, but that's what I'm doing is to, to plant the seeds and, and get things going now so that by the time all of this starts to, people start to get it a little bit more, they'll start to see, oh, yeah, we need to educate the soul of the child, not the body and the mind we have to educate the soul of the child how to use the body and mind correctly, how to incarnate correctly so that you don't get hung up trying to fit into this world and fit into this body and, and just pretend like, you know, you do the best you can until you drop dead. No. This is a very important time when you're here because that's the way you're going to be free. When you're out of the body, after you die, you already are free. But what you created while you're here, you have to come back and finish. And so, and what does that mean? That means you have to truly realize what the truth is, what spirit really is, that you are the being, that you are this limitless, eternal beingness. And when you start to really wake up to that and recognize that, your life, you just can't live your life the way everybody seems to do in society. You can still do all the things. You can drive your car. You can eat food and, you know, all the things. Because those things, re, uh, they, they no longer matter. Other than, oh, yes, this body to keep it healthy and, and, and well so I can finish my time here. I have to feed it correctly, and i got to get some exercise in and so forth and so on, and everybody's different. But you start to recognize, oh, yes, it's just like you have to have your car maintained. You have to put the oil in the car regularly. You have to put gas in the car. You have to wash it every once in a while. You, know, you have to maintain physical things or else they deteriorate. And these bodies are no different. And, and the mind is not, you know, totally different than that you have to maintain your mind you have to you have to put into your mind the correct thoughts and the correct images and whatnot and take out of your mind the things that don't work that keep you stuck and when you start to recognize all this is fabricated all this is made up 
Well, you don't have to tell your children that because when they first come in, if they get a hello on a spirit-to-spirit level, if they're validated as the spirit that they are, they're going to have that already, even far more than usually the parents. And they're going to be able to retain a great deal of that that possibly the parents didn't get to retain because society just, you know, sucks it out of you, so to speak. <laughs> and so, so, so yeah. we're talking with you this entire hour then about educating the soul of the body to really support a shift in consciousness with these amazing new children who have come into the millennium um, come in the last several decades, but particularly since the millennium, to really teach us on earth that waking up to a higher purpose here is what's relevant, not coming here to conform and comply with the limitations of this physical plane. That's correct. We just have to learn what the limitations of this physical plane and what everybody agrees upon and be able to navigate through that. So, but if we, if we fight it, sometimes these really bright souls upset and angry that nothing works here. <laughs> yeah. it's, and then people don't get it. And so they get angry and, and resistant to it. But if you get angry and resistant to it, whatever you resist, you end up becoming. You get yeah. trapped. Yeah. So you have to be in great deal of amusement about everything. And because <laughs> none of this really matters other than to help you set yourself free. We're speaking with Michael Tamora. You can find him on the web at www.michaeltamora.com, author of the popular awesome book, You Are the Answer. Again, that's www.michaeltamora.com. The children of today, whatever label you may choose to place upon them, whether indigo, crystal, children of the light, children of the new millennium, golden children, children of the ray, are exhibiting infinite extraordinary characteristics that have been divinely implanted into their earthly DNA to assist humanity in powerfully shifting the script of our species. This is a gift to us on planet Earth from a most loving and powerful creator. It is the most important job of the adult generation to acknowledge, validate, nurture, and support these highly spiritual beings with acceptance, and to foster and lead these children to express themselves early on, whether socially, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, or physically. They are abundantly carrying divine potential within themselves to lead all humans to further express their inherent talents, gifts, and unique expressions in a way that serves the higher good of all to assist in the co-creation of a planet that is overflowing with love, light, joy, and a higher expression of who we are that has been seen in the past. What a miracle for humanity. Please join me in the future on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution, as well as in the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found in iTunes for any time listening and inspiration by searching under the podcast section, Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea, or Voices of Change, or simply just by using my name, Dulcinea Contreras. The archive shows are available 24 hours a day to listen to or for downloading for future listening at no charge and include divine talent such as Neil Donna Walsh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Dr. Amiko Swami, Michael Tamura, Gary Zukoff, David Robert Ord, Robert Friedman, Charles Virtue, and many, many more. 
happy listening. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us for an enlightening experience. And be sure to connect with me on Facebook via the Evolution Revolution Radio fan page using keywords Dulcinea333 and on Twitter at Dulcinea3333 and Evolution Rev at 333. Also, you can find several of my book reviews from authors who have appeared on Evolution Revolution and Voices of Change at www.goodreads.com by searching my name, Dulcinea Contreras. I'm a revolutionary communicator, leader, teacher, writer, clairvoyant, and healer with a diverse background and vast array of offerings. Please explore more about me at www.dulcineacontreras.wordpress.com. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution today with my honored guest, Michael Tamora. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining us during this hour. Your profound insight, we appreciate it beyond words. <laughs> You're welcome. It was great to be here. Great. Well, we look forward to talking again soon. All right. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Goodbye.